Welcome. I'm Chase. And I'm Mike. And this is Fathers Unscripted. Now you know that it never goes exactly how you planned it would be. That's where the fun is. Not knowing how the story goes. Episode 8. Ladies and gentlemen, today's topic will be a piggyback to the last episode's topic. Title being, Birthing Aftermath, Arriving Home and the Days to Come. Now, as usual, there's a lot to go along with that, but since we're kind of coinciding this episode with last week's episode, we're kind of going to go back and forth because each time we had kids, it was a different experience at the hospital, which we experienced or went through with the last episode. In this episode, we're going to go back and forth talking about our experiences getting back home and how easy it was or how hard it was. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is part two. This is yes. basically part two. So please listen to the episode before this so you can kind of get some context. Yes, this will make a lot more sense if you do. Um, but before we dive in, as always, I want to let you guys know how to reach out to us if you so desire. Um, the only way you can do that really is through our email address, which is fathers.unscripted at gmail.com. Um, and to go uh, rehash last week's episode, I just want to give a little quick update pertaining to how I spoke about lying to Ellis with our, <laughs> with our first kid. They're still married. They're, we are still married, and we're having number three, so everything's going good. But when I had lied to her over and over again about not finding the nurse when I actually was talking to her constantly, um, after the whole entire birthing experience, Ellis really appreciated all of that, and she was totally on board with the decision that I made for her, which ended up being for us, but mainly for her, and she really appreciated that. Um, but So I didn't want people to think that I hid something from her, and she just hated me forever. <laughs> she but, just found out last episode. Yeah. <laughs> so she was fully on board with that. But enough with that. I just want to make sure everybody knew that, and I wanted to make sure my wife knew that. <laughs> that I put that out there in the ether for everybody. But we're going to dive right in now. So again, we're going to be talking about the birthing aftermath and arriving home and the days to come after we have our kids. So since Chase has more kids than me, and it's easy numbers back and forth, as always, Chase. Yeah, so uh, coming home. <laughs> the first time we literally lived, I think, almost exactly a mile from the hospital. Oh, that's not might, bad. Might have been less than that. We we. We were at the Watsonville Hospital, and we lived behind uh, Target. Uh, the not like the dumpster behind Target, but like there's this complex behind Target. That's where we lived. <laughs> not very far at all. Um, so Grouch wasn't your neighbor. Grouch was not my well. Well, just, anyways. So you got to get the car seat. It should already be in there, and like good to go. I remember leading up to the days, like we had uh, the base of the car seat in, and I wanted to make sure that thing was not moving anywhere. So they finally let us uh, go home, and I'm like super careful, right? First mm -hmm. baby, haven't really ever held a newborn that I can remember. So I, we put them in the car seat, we walk out, and I'm like, making sure nothing is like this thing is 
not moving. I'm holding the car seat as tight as I possibly can. I go to put it in the car. And I feel like it took like 30 minutes to get home. I drove so slow. <laughs> I obeyed every law there is ever, which if, if you're in California, there's a law for everything. Um, so I stopped at the stop sign. I looked both ways seven times. I, I made sure I was super careful, checked my mirrors 10 and two on the wheel. Um, and it took me forever to get home, but it was like the most nerve wracking. It, it felt like taking the driver's test again, but 10 times more nerve wracking. Um, was that, so really quick was so MJ had the C-section with the first one, right? Yes. So was she uh, still pretty uncomfortable at that point? Heading yeah, home? she was, uh, she was extremely weak in terms mm. of like not having core muscles working. Right. Yeah. So like, but we got her, like we, we, the, the nurse wheeled her into the, like down to the car and we got her in. Um, and she was able to, to walk and everything. She's just like really weak. Yeah, um, keeping, making sure like she, she, very uncomfortable. So, but she was, she was fine. Like she was just sitting there. It was, I have a brand new baby and I didn't want like anything to happen um, driving home, which is a mile away. So finally get home and our living space is upstairs. So I I have to make a decision. Do I leave the baby downstairs and help my wife go upstairs? (laughs) Do I bring the baby upstairs (laughs) And come down and get my wife and let her come get and help her upstairs. Or do I try to just be Superman and do both? Mm. This I want to hear. I am almost positive. I don't even remember what I did. I also, <laughs> at the time, it's a, this is a, it's a, it's a townhouse, a small townhouse. And I have a, we have a pit bull. Super nice. Uh, but it, he's he's still very energetic so i'm trying to figure out like this this could be very bad so i take the dog and i put him in the garage like we're not going to mess around with any possible issues it's already difficult enough take Kyrie upstairs leave him in the car seat and then help mary joy get upstairs which is more or less just making sure um like she walked upstairs but i wanted to make sure i was there to support her just in case anything did happen and then life started. I didn't sleep. No one mm-hmm. sleeps. Uh, and I want to say like the first week or so, we had a lot of help from our two moms. So my mom and her mom, her mom helped for like the first three or four days. And then my mom started coming over and helping. And we had food made from other people, which is like a huge blessing. Um, but then like once that like slowly like goes away and then you have to kind of like figure out this whole being a parent all of a sudden. So that's like the first kid, um, as we had more, it's, it's much, uh, way more simpler, but the very first one is super nerve wracking. Cause you drive slow. You're like holding the car seat, like extra careful when you're walking around. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the first the first, um, I guess, start of the new life. Yeah. 
And I can kind of basically say the same thing, just with little differences. So we got out of there at, um, I think, mid-morning. And uh, we lived about 35 minutes away from our house. Oh, it would take me like three hours to get to your house then. And we were, uh, so we drove on the freeway, which is always nerve-wracking. But um, we headed out. The The nice part was, was Ellis had a nice berth. Everything was fine. So she was able to just walk out to her car or our car. And same thing, when I strapped Mackenzie down in the car seat, it was one of the weirdest moments to realize that I'm going to be doing this for a long time and this is the first time ever. (laughs) And like putting her in there and realizing how small she is when you look at the car seat and then you you have your child in it, you're like, oh my gosh, did I buy too big of a car seat? Like. (laughs) This doesn't make sense, but obviously it's proper. And like, same thing with you guys. We made sure it was secure. We actually went to the CHP office one day and had them come out and inspect our car seat to make sure we had it in there right so they can kind of like write it off for us. So we knew that, you know, regardless, me me being a man, like, yeah, I put it in right, everything's good. But even going to them, they were like, oh, it's not tight enough. I'm like, you son of a... (laughs) (laughs) So like, we got it checked by them. So everything was secure. They wrote like they had signed it off for us, cool, which was kind of cool too, because it was stuck to the base. Um, but taking her out was probably the—I wouldn't have fumbled anything that day. Like no. I fumbled footballs, I you know jumbled yep. this, jumbled that, but that thing was not l- leaving my arms. No. And like I did the whole two-arm carry, one arm on the handle and one arm on the side of the, yeah. the car seat. <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking ca- about. It's carry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and carried it out like it was against my belly, and I was walking. It was not moving. And it was not going anywhere. And we put her in the middle in the back row so she wasn't against any of the windows because, God forbid, anything happens. We don't want glass breaking and yep. hitting her. Middle yep. seat. So everything was smooth getting out of the hospital and home. And it's just once we got home is when everything kind of uh, break it broke into reality. Like mm-hmm. we're home now. I'm not at the hospital where I can call a nurse or yes, you're like, by yourself. It is it. So like it was the the first few days were really easy because the baby just wants to sleep, and um, we had our dog Zena at the house who is half pit bull. But if you're like, you know, if you're a pit bull owner, their tails are intense. Yes. So it's like, I don't know what <laughs> makes them so strong, but for some reason, pit bull tails are a lethal weapon. Yes. So it was a, anytime we're sitting down, my dog comes straight at me, but we'll turn and then walk <laughs> away. And that tail's like, I got to cover the baby. So like all these weird things you would never think about in the first place, you suddenly realize like all these little tiny things matter for this little tiny person. And uh, we lived at my folks' house at that time because we had moved back to the States, or not the States, we moved back to California from Utah State, and we were living there, uh, getting our bearings, so we had some help from my mom and dad. Um, It was easy for the most part, but it got harder and harder as the baby started to cry and (laughs) grow, and that's when the sleep really... uh, took a turn for the worst. It was really fun in the beginning because it was easy to trade off and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it was every baby is different. Our child did not take bottles and did not take bottles for a long, long time. 
So what was nice is that Ellis was fine with breastfeeding because that's what she wanted to do, and she did it for a long time. But until we found a certain nipple that the baby actually liked and <laughs> actually worked out to a certain point that I could start feeding the baby, it's like that's another aspect of coming home for dads. Like when actually it's, it's that's good. a huge unlock. Yeah, it's it's really good to get the baby on a bottle. Maybe not as soon as possible, but you know when when possible, try to make that happen because then it's going to make you and your wife's job a lot easier because you can also help in that realm. Whereas uh, when <laughs> Mackenzie was young, it was like, babe, you got to get up and go feed her because I can't. You can't do anything. I can't do anything. So it kind of sucked to that aspect, but at least I was trying to stay up, you know, do the soothing part of things and whatnot. But one thing I will definitely say to all dads for the first baby is – that's when you get to find your spot and like your time to have those connections with your newborn. And one of my favorite times was when Ellis would go to sleep and it'd just be me and her. And whether Mackenzie was asleep or not, you know, those conversations that you get to have with your baby that you dreamt about for months and months knowing that you're going to have a baby. And now that the baby's here, you finally get to have those talks with it or her or him or whatever. But just having those it was, it's giving me goosebumps now talking about it because it was such a cool experience to be able to get on that level with her and talk to her about, you know, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. Daddy's here to protect you your entire life. You know, things she's not going to understand, she won't understand now because she's only five, but it's like you have those talks with them just so you can kind of get it off your chest knowing that you're going to be that dad for this little kid that's entire life. And like it, it starts day one coming home. But I mean, overall, it was relatively easy for the most part because it was a new experience, but it wasn't the hardest it's ever been. We didn't have a colicky baby. We had a baby that stayed up uh, quite a bit as it got older, but I don't chalk that up to colicky. I just chalk it up to, you know, it's a different baby. It's just all babies are different. Some are up like night owls. Some sleep during the day. And And the people that say, oh, my baby sleeps all the time. Yeah, I'm the last person you want to tell me that right now. Don't tell me that. (laughs) But um, for the most part, Mackenzie was relatively easy. And it was a really, really good learning experience for us because it made everything different with our second, just like you were saying, you know, going from one to two. And so I would love to hear about number two. Yeah, um, I think Kyrie, too, was the same. I don't remember having to like get up and like do anything. It was like always me waking up Mary Jo and I think that was the same issue because I think Ryder like he has always been like an eater. He still now eats like he'll try anything um, and he was always like he'll, he didn't care if it was coming out of a, a straw, a bottle, um, if he just wanted milk. So like. I, I'm pretty sure Ryder was one where I was up more often, not all the time, but like Mary Joy and I could switch off if I'm not mistaken. It was one of the three boys, and now I don't even remember which one. I think it's Ryder just because he likes to eat. Um, <laughs> and also what made it unique when we, we came – when we brought – let me back up a little bit. When we brought Ryder home, Kyrie was 13 months old. So – we get, I get Mary Joy um, in the car, and I, at this point, I'm a, an expert at maneuvering car seats, <laughs> right? I've been doing it for 13 months. Yeah, seriously. And the, I opened the door, and the, the nurse was like, oh, you have two car seats in here. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, 
yeah, we have another kid. They're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. And then I just like grabbed the car seat and clicked it right in. And she's like, oh, you're you're good at this. <laughs> like, again, I've been doing it for 13 <laughs> months. Like, I kind of have this dialed. Your second kid, you're not as nervous. Um, at least I wasn't. I drove right home. Not a big deal. Got squared away. But raising a 13-month-old with a newborn – I felt like my whole entire life was trying to, or like for that next like year or whatever is trying to get enough sleep, trying to get enough sleep and making sure um, Mary Joy got enough sleep because she was also at this time, this, I spent a lot of time with both boys for I would say Ryder's first year, maybe year and a half, because Mary Joy was finishing up nursing school and working like both. Because when yeah. you're doing nursing school, she was doing like her clinicals and everything. Like she was constantly gone, and so I was with Ryder a lot of the time, feeding. Um, that's why I know I was feeding him a lot, just because she was gone. So he was going to either starve to death or he was going to eat. And so that was really interesting because for a while, like I was super drained. Um, You know, you change diapers, you feed, you change diapers and feed, and hope to 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 God that they're both going to take a nap at the same time. Which uh, Kyrie never really napped, which was horrible uh, Mm because I never got a break. And I remember Mary Joy would come home from you know a long day of either school or work. And like she would basically feed Ryder and then kind of do her homework or go to sleep. Like it was just constant and it was a constant struggle. Like I don't even, and we had, at this time we're in Oklahoma. So we're no longer in Watsonville. We're in Oklahoma. We have no family, just really good friends that were helping out when they could. But again, only family or people that we knew out there that are close friends that had kids first. So like you just, you really don't know how to help someone out with kids when you don't have kids. Once you yeah. have kids, it's super easy. Like, oh, yeah, just leave the kids here. Let me come get them or whatever. But when you don't have kids, it's really hard to know how to help someone else out that has kids. So it was really hard for us to ask our friends to just like come over and help um, when we needed it. And that was definitely a hard – that having the boys that far apart or that close together, however you want to phrase it um, – and in that time in our life was definitely a struggle um, in terms of like we're both tired, exhausted, trying to get through this. Also try to raise the boys correctly. Like it was just a lot of um, things. We got through it. We definitely got through it. But it was two totally different experiences um, that has turned out to be a, quite a blessing now that they're older. But that was for a couple of years. It was definitely tough uh, yeah, being that I close together. That. I can see that with that age gap because my kids were almost – so Uriah was born in April and Mackenzie was born in June. So Mackenzie was almost three when Uriah was born. So I had plenty of practice with one kid. And uh, same with you and your wife. My wife was in school. Um, it was interesting to have Mackenzie. She was, I think – six months, seven months, something like that, when we move into the place we're in now. And at that point, she had a job 
at a hospital and was going through all the training and all the training has different shifts. You train at this yep. shift and you train at that shift and you train at this shift. You train 12 hours, you train eight hours. And so we had a nanny um, for the, the day shift stuff. So we had a nanny watching, uh, you know, our brand new baby in a sense. And that was kind of difficult to get adjusted to for me because as a father, I, I want, you know, somebody that I know or completely trust, but we learned to, you know, trust this person over time because she was really good at her job and taking care of Mackenzie. Um, but eventually, you know, she left and it was just, uh, Ellis had night shift and I had a day shift. So it worked out perfectly. I'd be home in time to, you know, kiss my wife and say goodbye. Then I take over the parenting duties. But when Uriah was finally born, we had it at her hospital, um, had him at her hospital and, uh, that was about a 40 minute drive away. Uh, so, um, I think we had the baby, like I said, last time at six forty nine. So we actually left the next day at like, uh, the afternoon time. I think we're on like five or six somewhat traffic, but it wasn't bad getting home. It was like you had said, I'd done this before. There's another car seat in there. We didn't have a nurse walking us out, so I didn't, I didn't get any kudos like you did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. It was the same base, same car seat as yep. you know Mackenzie when she was born. So everything was the same. And um, it was totally different because it was my son. And not saying, you know, having a daughter and having a son, it, you know, one's better than the other. It was just like, okay, I had my daughter and I was – praying so hard to have a boy when we found out we were having a boy it was like yes <laughs> we're having a boy the lineage continues yes um so it was like just for me it was entirely different because like i said it was my son so you know when we got home i had everything was fine my mom was watching uh mckenzie while we were at the hospital so what was really cool about getting home late is that mckenzie was asleep already so she got to wake up to uh, a new baby brother in the house. It's like Christmas. Yeah. So like, you know, we get home, we, my mom says hi to the baby and whatnot. And then we say bye to my mom's. We, we go to sleep and Mackenzie wakes up and comes in the room and she's like, Oh, hi Uriah. Like just, you know, starts off with a great little like surprise for her, which I thought was really, really cool to have that kind of experience with Mackenzie meeting Uriah that way. And then, uh, Uriah, um, just like we had at my folks' house, even though the setup was different, we only had basically one room. You know, this place, we have a whole house, but still Uriah would sleep, you know, right next to Mama, just like Mackenzie did. And we had a, a, a bed bassinet, and most people know what those are. They're like mm -hmm. the ones you can put in the middle of you guys, and so Mama can roll over and feed him if he, he needs to be fed or whatever. So it was just such a cool little experience to have her own place to have the babies in there and uh, connecting because Mackenzie, like I said before, did not nap and she continued to not nap. So what was really cool about that is that when my son would sleep during the day, I'd get some one-on-one -on -one time with my daughter, um, which was really cool because it kind of kept building on that connection that her and I had her being the oldest and, you know, her being a lot more aware of everything since she was around three years old, basically. Um, and as time went on, you know, and night and day difference from Uriah to Mackenzie, Uriah took a bottle pretty dang quick. So 
you know, fun for me. I got to have a lot more. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I get to wake up in the middle of the yeah, night. Yeah. So. Now, mom was like, "Hey, you can go feed him." I'm like, okay. But um, it was e- it was easy and way more enjoyable to have that part of parenting, or at least have me more involved with that part of parenting, so I could actually do more for my wife because I felt like hopeless or helpless you know with the first one because i couldn't do anything and it felt like i was nagging her to go feed the baby because i'm a light sleeper so i'll wake up a lot faster than she does so usually i'm like waking up like nudging her like babe <laughs> go feed her but with uriah it's like you know i can wake up and if she starts to wake up i'm like i oh, know i got it i'll take care of him so it was like it was a lot more fun for me in the the realm of you know having more of a part in a newborn and he slept like a log he slept good. Um, he he continued to nap till almost two years old. He stopped at like twenty months. But what was very interesting was when that time came for Ellis to go back to work. It was a lot more work for Daddy when I got home. And dads will realize this when you know, that that time comes if your wife works and she has to go back to work. Whereas before, I would come home and it'd just be Mackenzie and I. It'd be so much fun playing, all this and that. And then it's like I'm coming home. I got to take care of this new life form that's in our house. That Mackenzie is like, "Well, Daddy, why can't you play with me?" I'm like, "I gotta take care of your brother," or you know, "We gotta watch your brother," or "Your brother's gotta be here." It's a lot more like my dog's running around the house. Like, no dog, if you step on my son's face, you're gonna crush it. Like, you need to walk. You need to get out of the house. So it was like a lot more of these weird dynamics that you got to figure out with two kids, which I know you understand. But it was very interesting with my daughter being older and her being more of a more aware of everything. So having those conversations with her, like, why can't you play with me kind of talks? And like, it was kind of crushing because it's like, I want to play with you. But I also have your son that I need to keep alive. And if something goes wrong under my watch, I will never forgive myself. Yes. In a sense. And like, I don't expect you to understand that. And obviously I didn't say that to her. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like going through that, the, I mean, going back to that initial point of getting home and the few weeks after that night and day difference, but it was also way more enjoyable to have an older sibling in the house to kind of share that with her at the same time. And I can't even, I don't even know what it's going to be like with this one because she's going to be five and it's going to be way different with the next way, one. But way better. Way, yeah. It's going to be way different. And Uriah, I don't, I'm so curious to see how Uriah <laughs> is going to react having another uh, baby brother or sister in the house. But um, back to you with number three. How'd number three go? Well, something before I start on number three, that was something that I guess we'll talk about eventually and maybe another episode because I always feel like having the boys so close together uh, Kyrie never ever got to be like a two-year-old, a three-year-old, and even maybe a four-year-old because they were so close <laughs> together, and he had to grow up really quick. Um, even though he was 13 months, like he had to be like a four-year-old because I had to take care of – and my wife had to take care of a newborn, and we talk about this all the time where it's like, you know, being being parents and trying to make sure you're, you know – not playing favorites or anything, but it's like, it's yeah. to a point where you have to make sure like you're taking care of your baby. Um, and you still have a baby in the house, which is really interesting. And so we always talk about, um, 
that whole dynamic. And we, we try really hard to, to, because they're so close together, you know, making sure that, you know, Mary Joy finds date nights for each and every one of them. I have um, try to like, whenever I, I can always tell when Kyrie just wants alone time with me just to hang out um, and, and try to, to do that. So that was what was a really hard dynamic, like in the very beginning, in the very beginning, trying to figure that whole thing out was yeah. tough. Still haven't really figured it out, to be honest. Like it's, <laughs> it's constantly trying to figure how to make this um, equal, fair, but then also individual. And so definitely agree with that. We'll have to talk more about that because that's more than like a two minute discussion. But um, you you made some really cool points on how you try to take advantage of when your eye is sleeping. Uh, that's yours and Mackenzie's time to try to maybe catch up on things and stuff. So that'll be a different episode. Anyways, to three, I'm trying to remember we brought um, in the last episode, I talked about bringing the boys to the hospital so they get to meet that's right. uh, Tyus. So they get to meet Tyus at the hospital, but when we bring him home, it was really cool because like they, they just wanted to play with him like constantly. And Kyrie, um, when Tyus was a baby, Kyrie was like really protective, but then also like just wanted to be around his baby brother. And at this time too, cool. like Kyrie and Ryder always fought, always fought. <laughs> of course. Like if there was 12 hours, that they were awake, they fought 11 hours and 30 minutes out of it. Like, <laughs> um, so Tyus came into the pitch, picture and it kind of like offset that a little bit. They didn't fight as much. Kyrie um, wanted to literally just hang around Tyus, even if it was like Tyus was sleeping on the like on the floor or whatever, like on the on his blanket. Kyrie just sit there and watch him or like pet his back or whatever, rub his back. That's cool. He loved his younger brother, still does, but was like just wanted to be around him. Ryder is kind of a he's a kid that's always in his own little world. So like there's times where he would like just kind of do his own thing while Tyus was doing his own thing. Um it wasn't a big he was Ryder never was trying to seek attention um as we were trying to take care of Tyus being a, a newborn at home. And now it's kind of interesting because Tyus and Ryder play all the time. So, and then maybe it's just because Kyrie's a little older. So Ryder and Tyus play, but was really cool. And I think this has something to do with it, but Kyrie's really good with younger kids right now in his like age. He's always been really good with younger kids. As far back as I can remember, he loves babies. He always wants to hold the hold babies when he can. Um, he's very good with younger kids. And I think that had to, I mean, that might just be his heart, but that's, I think that has to do with like just the timing of like, he had to grow up fast. He's the oldest. Um, and the, the third brother and the dynamic there, um, he wanted to, from the very beginning, just kind of, uh, be a part of Tyus's life. Like instant, like he got it too. Like he understood. He just wanted to be a part of Tyus's life. So it was really cool to watch that as a dad. You're like, you you sit there and you're like, I did something right, <laughs> and it was <laughs> oh, nothing to do with me. Yeah, and it had nothing to do with me. I, I don't I don't think um, it had anything to do with me. But you sit there being like, okay, so far so good, totally. kind of thing. Um, in this journey of being a, a dad, so 
that one was really cool. And, and to like recap all three for me, uh, Kyrie came home. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and so I don't remember cleaning the house, but I believe it was clean. So it might've been like my mother-in-law or my mom, but like, I remember it being pretty clean and Mary Joy was relaxed. She was out of the hospital and relaxed. Yeah. The second day or the second day, Ty, uh, the second kid, so Ryder, um, this will also happen. Dads, you won't even remember what kids' names and what all this stuff is. Number but, two. Yeah, number two. <laughs> so then Ryder, we got home and we had some friends. Uh, well, we had a friend watch Kyrie during that whole, whole situation. But I came home and I tried to organize the house as best I could. Did not do a great job, but it was something. It was and and making sure like groceries were stocked. Mm-hmm. And then with Tyus, we had some friends watch the boys while I was at the hospital. But when I came home, they were really kind and they they uh, they cleaned up um, and organized as pretty much as much as they could without like invading our privacy. Like they they cleaned the whole house and. Um, I believe they went home the next day. They brought brought over like a bunch of like meals, and so it was, it's just nice to have that. But I talked about this in the last episode to make sure the house is clean. Try to find a way to make sure everything is clean. Yep. And I I say that as experience where I wish I would have done a better job. I knew that I needed to make sure things were organized, and, and my wife didn't come home to a mess, which is really tough when you have two toddlers running around, but that is something that is pretty important. And if I could redo it all, if I knew that if someone would have just said, Hey, just like make sure you're constantly on top of keeping the house clean for like a month leading up to the, the, um, the labor, because that way you're always on top of getting the house clean. That would have been something I wish I would have known because I would have made sure the house is spotless every single time, every single time. Um, I would have gone home for like a couple hours to make it sure it's clean, hire someone to make sure it's clean. I would have had my friends like, dude, I don't care what you do, throw bleach everywhere. I don't care. Like we need to make sure this thing is spotless. Um, and so that's something where I learned after the fact on the the importance of that. So that's something that I, I look back now and, and wish I would have done a better job at. But those are kind of my experiences. I would I would love to know after your two, Mike, and going into three, what have you learned? What are you looking forward to in terms of like what you're going to change in, in preparation on getting Ellis um, home ready? Uh, what does that look like in, in, if in a perfect world, which will ever happen? Uh, from the past to now going – basically looking into the future right now, what, what are your – your plans, I guess. So one of the big ones is what you just said about the cleaning part of things. And I learned that happy wife, happy life. Yes. I think that's a well-known phrase. Um, So the nesting aspect of pregnant women is key. So if you can allow them to do whatever they need to do to, if you're able to allow them to buy whatever they need to buy, um, let them. Yes, Mary Joy <laughs> spent so much money at Ross. 
getting our house like decorated before Kyrie. And I was like, what is going on right now? So we have uh, like, <laughs> like we have uh, like most people know uh, more pillows than you need on a bed. <laughs> um, and the other day she came home with more pillows and I was like, well, what's, why do we need these pillows? She goes, I'm nesting. I'm like, okay, <laughs> enough, enough said. You'll hear nothing from me about it. But I think it's really a big one to have the wife comfortable before she leaves, knowing that she will be comfortable when she comes home. Yes. And so we're, we're trying to knock out, you know, room by room, deep cleaning everything as best as we can. Uh, we still have a couple rooms to go. So it's crunch time. Um, but really it's the, the preparing aspect for me. It's getting things ready, not only physically in your house and your stuff, your go bags, you know, who you're going to have around for you, who's going to, you know, possibly you can set up uh, a dinner train where people will bring you meals for dinner time. Um, But really it's just the the preparation aspect. And another big one is mentally, because mentally, if you're not prepared for what's going to happen, everything's going to be a shock to you. Everything's going to be, you know, way over your head or whatnot. And granted, I've had two kids already and, you know, I'm kind of mentally already prepared for that. But even with Mackenzie, my first, I've mentally prepared myself for, you know, as graphic as it can be. Like there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of screaming from your wife that you've never heard before that like wrenches your heart. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of things that you experience. But if you can, you know, somewhat mentally prepare yourself for it. Like, dude, literally do some research, read up on some stuff, you know, f- f- uh, like what we're sharing now, listen to this podcast, Yes. <laughs> you know, kind of get an idea of what it might be like, you know, granted, like we always say, not every experience is the same, but there are a lot of similarities. And if you can kind of get those in your, in the forefront of your mental thoughts going into having a baby, it's going to help you for, oh, my water broke. Instead of going, holy crap, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> no, be be prepared. And that's more of like the physical aspect. But, you know, you can mentally prepare for when you hear your wife say that, you already know what to do because you've been thinking about it. You've been preparing for it. And that's kind of what fathers are su- supposed to be in a sense. You're supposed to be really mentally strong for a lot of things that happen in this life that you know, maybe the wife can't handle or the kids can't handle, but you're supposed to be that strong figure in your family that's going to protect and take care of your kids and your wife. And it starts with preparing for your first kid coming into this world. Um, so it's not, it's not really like a lot of things that I've learned. It's a lot of things that have been solidified because mm-hmm. I've thought about all these things previously and it just kind of proved my thinking and my points, you know, having each kid. Um, one tip and trick though, that I would highly recommend for any, anybody who's going to have a baby who has a dog at the house is that if you can have somebody after your baby is born, you have that baby wrapped up after you take that blanket off that baby, grab it, give it to somebody and have them take it to your house and let your dog sniff it. Mm -hmm. So your dog can already be ready and already know the smells of this newborn and already kind of be prepared itself for this new person coming into the house because you do not want a crazy dog running all over the place barking and you know we've been blessed with a really really great dog but when we were at my parents house i really wanted that to happen because there was a german shepherd at the house who was very finicky 
So I wanted that dog specifically to know, hey, I'm bringing this new person here, and this new person is also your master. So if you do anything to this person that I'm not going to like, you're going to be in big trouble. So uh, the awareness of the dog sniffing, because obviously dogs have great noses, and that's how they really get around on a lot of things. If you can allow that dog to be introduced to your new child before it even gets there, it'll be helpful not only for the dog, but for you guys, because you're not going to have to be dealing so much with a dog who's curious as much as it would be without sniffing it. When it sniffs it, it's like, then it'll sniff the baby like, oh yeah, I sniffed this before. What's up, babe? And then it'll just walk away or whatever. Yep. So that's a big tip. There's not a whole lot of tips I can really say other than what we've said before about, you know, preparing and, uh, like, especially when you're coming home, you know, try to have, like you said, the shelves stocked, house clean. Um, especially, a, a, a probably number one is, you know, people you can call if you need help. Yes. You know, really solidify that because if those people say they'll do it for you, but you don't actually know if they will, then that person's not going to be on that number list. You need to have people you know will drop in a dime to come and help 3 you. Yep. And I have, I don't have a whole lot of people I know that would do that, but I definitely have three. And those three are always on my list. And I always t- reach out to those people for, you know, I've definitely reached out to them about this baby that we're going to have. But in anything in life, I always reach out to them knowing like, hey, I'm going to be doing something like this. You know, if you're able to do that, can you help me? And like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So make sure you have people you can call on a list, on a possibly speed dial if it comes to that. What about you though? You got any uh, tips? No, that that was th- those were all pretty much right up the same alley. Um, making sure you have people that you can call, and it it's not a well, I'm just tired person, but we really want to do it, but we just like have someone that that will drop everything at moment's notice, and almost they'll get mad at you if you don't try to rely on them. Yeah. Those are the type of people you want in your life and in your corner. Um, the dog thing, we did something similar. Uh, I didn't take a blanket over and like to the house before probably could have with Kyrie because we were in the hospital a couple extra days because it was a C-section. But what we did is, um, once I, I put the dog in the garage, we, we got Mary Joy and Kyrie situated. I actually had him come in and he like knew something was different. So mm-hmm. he was like sniffing around and I just put, let him sniff the car seat. Ty, uh, Kyrie was already out and he just sniffed the car seat for a while and the first time that he got to meet Kyrie, uh, Mary Joy was holding him. And uh, Mary Joy's holding Kyrie, not the dog. Uh, <laughs> and I was holding the dog by the collar because I just didn't know what to expect. Totally. Um, the dog at the time was four, maybe, four years old. So still pretty young and energetic. Um, and he was so excited to see Kyrie that he like kind of like lunged um, to, just to like sniff, basically hug it. Yeah. And, and I had the, my hand around his collar and I yanked him down and I let him know that wasn't okay in a very firm way. And we never had an issue like that again. And actually I have a, I have a couple pictures of Kyrie, like just like lying on the, the ground and sleeping and, um, Neil is the dog's name. He used to always make sure he was touching the blanket that the that our babies were sleeping on. And he would just sit there the whole time. He would wait till they wake up and then he would get up and go do his thing. Um, 
but while they were sleeping, we would sometimes like lay them on the floor and, or like in the, like the portable, portable crib or whatever, he would sleep at the base of that. Or like, I have a bunch of pictures where he would make sure he was on the blanket, whether it was his like nose, his paw, he had to be touching it. And, uh, if anyone knew or not knew, but he doesn't like people he doesn't know, which isn't a bad thing, but not always a good thing being that he's a pit bull and he would just growl. He never, we never had a biting incident or anything like that. But when anyone came over, if he, wherever, uh, Kyrie was, especially Kyrie, he would just make sure he positioned himself in front. We never trained him to do any of that. That's just kind of, I think part of being Mm -hmm. a dog, but then also, uh, the pit bull breed is very loyal and so he knew who he needed to protect and he did it and he did it with all of our boys. Um, not so much with Tyus cause he was older then. And he kind of understood like now, now it was more of him now survival, right? Three young boys. And yeah. <laughs> he's like, you guys got this. I'm just going to hang out by myself. Um, but we had to train him to like be okay with our kids, like pulling on his tail and, um, you know, when a four-year-old has no clue that he's stepping on a tail and sometimes kids think it's funny to like the tail's wagging. So they try to stomp on it. Mm. And (laughs) he, uh, he was always very good about just like, if he got to a point where he's annoyed, he never snipped or anything, just get up and like move. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. Yep. And, and that's something that like to be aware of though, because you really don't know what dogs are going to do when you first bring home your kid. Um, and every kid is different too. So like, just being mindful of what your dog is doing in that like particular moment or moments. Cause there's no, like you might have the most loving dog ever and it's never, and and that dog's never seen a baby and doesn't know how to react to a baby. Mm -hmm. So just being prepared for that, I guess would be something if you have a dog. um, Yeah. Don't assume that it's going to be perfect. Yes. Because don't assume anything. But that, that would be my, I mean, you covered most of them, uh, most of the tips. So That'd be the the thing that I would continue on. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, to second that, my dog has never had any issues with my kids. And when we brought home Mackenzie, uh, Zena is our dog name, and she was only one. So she was still very puppy-like and figuring out her body. So to have that good experience with her with the first and then having a great one with the second, like, like you were saying with the pictures, man, it's just – it warms my heart when I see my dog that like just loves my kids Yes, because we love her. Like, uh, we had her, we bought her before we had Mackenzie and just having her a part of each one of these kids lives when they come home and thereafter has been really awesome. And she's the same. She's, she's not super protective, but you know, like, uh, we'll, I'll bring her into the machine shop every so often. And when the kids are there, she'll circle everybody like a shark and she'll just <laughs> walk around, circle them, come back, you know, like kind of nose the kids and me and say, what's up, make sure we're okay. And then she'll go back and circle all the other guys that are around the shop. Like she's just checking on everybody, make sure everybody's good. <laughs> and it's really cool to have that, um, you know, animal in our life because I didn't have that growing up. We didn't have a dog until I was 12. And, uh, I always wanted a big dog. So Zena's half lab, half pit bull. She's quite a large dog and very big to, to have her be so gentle around my kids. Like, dude, when we play fetch, she won't drop the ball for me. I got to like, kind of get it out of her mouth and kind of whatever. But with the kids, she'll like, just drop it, hand it right to their mouth or hand it right to their hand from her mouth. 
She doesn't bite them. Ne- never has. Never bitten anybody. And it's just really cool to. I really look forward to bringing the next kid home and seeing how she reacts with the third one. Um, but you know, to to close off this episode, uh, like we said with our tips and tricks, just stay focused and be uh, diligent with the dogs in the house. Uh, even cats. I don't know what it would be like to come home with a cat, but yeah. <laughs> definitely be diligent with that because uh, cat poop and fecal matter for babies does not match. I know that for a fact. If you do your research, maybe everybody will find that out. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> or just use your brain. <laughs> but uh, that's probably going to call it for this episode. We have a lot of uh, topics in the next episodes to uh, discuss. So we got lots more to come, and we definitely appreciate you guys joining us again for another episode. Again, if you guys would like to reach out to us, any ideas, topics, questions, comments, you know where to reach us. If you don't, email address is fathers.unscripted at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to talking to you all again next week. Thank you, everybody. Now you know that it never goes in. Exactly how you planned it would be That's where the fun is Not knowing how the story goes